Chapter 220 of Vani the Vampire, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellie. Vani the Vampire, Volume 3 by Thomas Prescott Prest. Chapter 220. The Grand Consultation at the Alehouse. The Awful Suggestion. Sir George Croft and his family could form no idea, owing to not being in a position to know, of the state of excitement produced in the village by the mysterious and frightful attack which had been made upon the widow's daughter. When people are very much absorbed with their own grief, they are apt to set a lighter value upon those of others, and thus it was that the family of the Croftons was so entirely taken up with what itself felt and had to do that there was little room for sympathy with others. Mr. Bevan likewise, from his peculiar and respectable position, was not likely to be made the depository of gossiping secrets. The inhabitants of that little place were in the habit of approaching him with respect, so that, although, as we are aware, he had heard from Will Stevens, the sexton, a full and particular account of what had happened to him in the old church, and was likewise cognizant of the story of the midnight attack upon the widow's daughter, he was not fully aware of the effect which those circumstances had had upon the small population of that fishing-village. We are bound to believe that if he had had any idea of the real result of those operations, or of what was contemplated as their result, he would have done his best to adopt some course to prevent any disastrous collision. We, however, with all the data and materials of this most singular narrative before us, are unable to detail to the reader's facts and occurrences as they took place actually, without awaiting the arrival of those periods at which they reached the knowledge of those actors in the gloomy drama of real life. Our readers, then, will please to know that the excitement among the inhabitants of the place was of that violent and overbearing description that all the occupations of the villagers were abandoned, and the spirit of idleness, sadly suggestive of mischief, began to prevalent among them. This feeling was increased by frequent visits to the alehouse, the liquor of which was well esteemed by Will Stevens, as may be readily imagined, and towards evening the large old-fashioned parlour of that place of entertainment became crowded with a motley assemblage, whose sole purpose in meeting together was to drink strong ale, and to discuss the irritating and exciting subject of the appearance of a vampire in the village. This discussion, from being at first a sober, serious and alarmed one, became noisy and violent, and at length a blacksmith, who was a great man in the politics of the place, and who, of all things in the world, most admired to hear his own voice, rose and addressed his compeers in something of a set speech. Listen to me, he said. Are we to have the blood sucked out of our bodies by a lot of vampires? Is our wives and daughters to be murdered in the middle of night? No, 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 cried many voices. Certainly not. Is we to be made into victims, or isn't we? What's Sir George Craft and his family to us? To be sure, he's the landlord of some of us and a very good landlord he is, too, as long as we pay our rent. Here, here, here. But there is no saying how long he might be so, if he didn't. Bravo, Dick, cried the master of the place, handing the orator a pot. Bravo, Dick, take a pull of that, old fellow. Thank you, Muggins. Now what I propose is. Stand on a chair, and let's all hear you. Thank you, said the blacksmith and getting upon a chair, he was about to commence again. 
when someone advised him to get upon the table but in the effort to accomplish that feat he unfortunately trod upon what was a mere flap of the table which had not sufficient power to support his weight and down he came amid an assemblage of pots jugs and glasses which made a most alarming crash this roused the fury of the landlord who had no idea of being made such a sufferer in the transaction and he accordingly began to declaim heavily at his loss a dispute arose as to how he was to be repaid and it was finally settled that the general subscription would be the best mode of reimbursing him if anything was wanting to work up the feelings of the toppers at the public-house to the highest pitch of aggravation it certainly was the having to disburse the breakages a sum of money which if liquefied would have trickled most luxuriously down their throats they were consequently ripe and ready for anything which promised vengeance upon anybody the blacksmith was not discomfited by his fall when is a man who is fond of hearing himself talk discomfited by anything and he soon resumed his orating in the following words is we to be put upon in this kind of way why we shan't be able to sleep in our beds all i ask is is we to put up with it but what are we to do said one ah there's the question said the blacksmith i don't know exactly let's ask old timothy brown said the butcher he's the oldest man here this was assented to and accordingly the individual mentioned was questioned as to his ideas of the way of avoiding the alarming catastrophe which seemed to be impending over them he advised him to wait patiently till the next night and keep awake till the unwelcome nocturnal visitor made its appearance when whoever it might visit was boldly to assail it without any fear of the consequences to himself till further assistance could be procured after timothy brown had delivered himself of this piece of advice a dead silence ensued among the late boisterous company there were many dissentients and a few who seemed in favour of the trial of the practicability of the plan both parties seemed to give some consideration to the proposition and they were by far too much engaged in thinking of the advice which had been given them to pay much attention to the quarter from whence it had emanated more particularly too as from his age and infirmities he was incapacitated from carrying it out or from giving any active assistance to those who were disposed to do so a great many efforts were made to get him to say more particularly with reverence to the case under consideration as being no common one but the octogenarian had made his effort and he only replied to the remonstrances of those who alternately by coaxing or bullying strove to get information from him by a vacant stare it is of no use said the butcher you'll get nothing more from old timothy he's done up now that's quite clear and ten to one if the excitement of to-night won't go a good way toward slaughtering him before his time well it may be so cried the blacksmith but still it's good advice and as i said before it comes to this is we to be afraid to lay down in our beds at night or isn't we before any reply could be made to this interrogatory the old clock that was in the public-house parlour struck the hour eleven and another peal of thunder seemed to be answering the tinkling sounds it's a rough night said one i thought there would be a storm before morning by the look of the sun at setting it went down with a strange fiery redness behind the bank of clouds i moved for going home who talks of going home cried the blacksmith when vampires are abroad hasn't old timothy said that a stormy night was the very one to settle the thing in 
No, cried another. He did not say night at all. I don't care whether he said night or day. I've made up my mind to do something. There's no doubt about it, but that a vampire is about the old church. Who'll come with me and ferret it out? It will be a good service done to everybody's fireside. End of chapter 220 Recording by Ellie, June 2009